talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome back to another episode of More Like the Worst Wing, our show where here now in 2022, we take a look back at Aaron Sorkin's seminal work, The West Wing, from a bit more of a leftist socialist perspective. I am Dave. And I am Stu. And this episode is appropriately and timely enough entitled Drought Conditions. <laughs> For, uh, as you will see when we get to that bit, uh, they are concerned about the potential for a drought. Uh, just the a, potential, though. Ju- just you the know. potential. Not Maybe an things act- will work out. <laughs> yeah, probably not an actual drought's going to happen. Don't worry about that kind of thing. <laughs> but let's, we'll, we'll get to the drought when we get to the drought. This episode opens with a bit of a unique structure where we've opened in media res before, but this time we open with Toby talking with a woman at a bar, which, by the way, we've had this exact episode opening at least two, if not three times on the show by now. Yeah, yeah, it's not... Talking to a bar woman. Yeah, it's not a stranger to find... It's not strange to find Toby kind of broodingly sipping his scotch. Nursing his wounds. With a... Uh, And honestly, with a a stranger to us. Right. In whatever A stranger to the show, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, this is yet another time they dip in that well. Uh, And Toby has a little, uh, when I say nursing his wounds, I'm being more literal, as Toby has a tiny wound on his cheek that the uh, woman in question asks about. uh, And Toby lamely deflects with, he cut himself shaving. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) no, I I ran into a door. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Uh, So we find out the the true story of that comes from a uh, scruffle with Josh. Uh, where where things come to a head because Josh is here in the White House. Basically, basically we open in media res with this conversation with Toby and the woman, and then we flash back to how this all started, which is basically Josh coming to the White House because he has meetings on the Hill related to the campaign. But since he's in D.C., he wants to, hey, let me pop by, say hi to people, stuff like that. Uh, his pass gets canceled at the door because his meeting for the White House got canceled and so he's like margaret come on let me in i you know i worked here for like six years come on let me in and they're like you yeah know who i am and they're like yeah they're not really cool with people just coming in to hang out anymore so unless you have a meeting and then meanwhile like josh uh, donna and will walk up and just like breeze right by him at the the check-in stand at the security so uh the 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 res in which we find ourselves in media of is a big dnc gala so Ooh. there is a the the ultimate that's reason the party that, correct the the party that frankly and just to another kind of high level observation here is the ensemble of the cast in this episode is bonkers yeah we have every single regular all of our mains including member. our new ones <clears throat> from the campaigns and uh, as well as a, and then we have a some new guests. Yeah, yeah, and a new character and a totally new character that's talking to Toby. So the reason that it is, you know, such a rogues gallery is that it's a DNC gala and they're all here mm. to, you know, just kind of schmooze and try grip to, and grin as they say yeah, with the president. Try to get a picture with the president and they're all trying to see if he'll help them out and CJ is like deflecting with no no, the president's not going to help anyone. Uh, but he sort of does because him and Toby reach out to Senator Rafferty, who is an unheard of as of yet primary candidate. 
who's a, a no hoper who's you know they describe her as a spoiler <laughs> and she's, uh, she's extremely left wing right she's very she's so left leaning right My goodness. and so and so <laughs> she introduces a single payer health care proposal and josh flips the fuck out because he's like oh no i'm being attacked from the left and i don't know how to respond and so he's trying to get Bartlett to be like, hey, give us a give us a heads up or whatever. Or or and then when he finds out that Toby and Rafferty work together to get this single payer thing in the debate, as it were, because Toby wants to push the party left and and Josh flips out about it. And this is what leads to their big fight. And I kind of just want to clip the whole fight, if you don't mind, because it adds good context. I've just eked out a lead. My guy's the friggin' little engine that could. What do you think you're doing? I don't know. I thought maybe there should be somebody in the field who talks like a Democrat. You wasted the opportunity. You and your garage sale find. A what? Ethanol pledge. I'm trying to win a race here. Matthew Santos isn't going to win anything. All you've got is a chance to shape the debate, strengthen the party, and you blew it. You ran to the center for a stinking 19% in New Hampshire? You're not supposed to be trying to win anything. You don't have the man. You think I left the White House to shape the debate? Somebody's got to. This is your contribution to the soul of the party? The world needed another going nowhere healthcare plan? The world needed to be presented with at least one useful idea. Now, every viable candidate has to waste air time on why they do or don't support socialized medicine. There's a profit-generating industry leeching the life out of this country's healthcare. Yeah. You got something better you want to talk about? Dragging the entire field to the left. Good. You could have fed me ideas. You don't like the way I'm running this thing. Yeah. How? How? Telephone. How? What are we talking you didn't about? You ask me. Why the hell didn't you come to me before you picked Santos? You have any idea how strong a force we would have been had we taken on a candidate together? I'm asking you now. Yeah, well, no. That's it? That's your answer? Yeah, that's my answer. You are a selfish, petty... Get out. ...waste of the oxygen in the air that useful people could be using. Get out! Don't get out, you selfish son of a bitch! And so yeah, they they, they have they this fight. they have it's, this adorable fight like yeah. it's it's a it's a fist fight. Um, yeah, as you said, it's the the way friends fight, where you're not actually trying to hurt the other person. You're just kind of <laughs> yeah. like shoving and grappling and and whatever. <laughs> like no, you know, no fists even get thrown really. Um, so uh, to to put a little bit more to roll back to initially the conceit with Toby. We're focusing on Toby in this first segment because the thing that is pushing most of the character drama in this episode is the fact that we learn eventually as we flash back and forth that Toby's brother has died. And not to spoil anything because uh, fucking whatever it is, Toby's brother has been sick for some time and he actually, he kills himself. He takes his own life. In, the, um, in a garage. In a garage with a hose, like classic asphyxiation right. with the car exhaust thing. So Toby's entire mindset throughout this episode He's is... Grieving. Yes, it is. Yeah. He is in grief and yeah, that he is... He is in deep, deep denial part yes, of grief, by the denial way. Denial because he's just like, yo, my brother wouldn't kill himself. Like, right. what the hell's going on? How the hell did right. this happen? And, 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 like, CJ's like, why don't you just, like, go and sit with his kids and stuff like that? And he's just like, no, I can't do that. That's not happening. It's just yeah, like so he takes it out denial. as a workaholic. <laughs> yeah. And so eventually that's kind of what leads to the fact that Josh is also, technically, if we're talking about this fight, like, 
Josh is also grieving because he can see that his friend is in a deep mm-hmm. anguish and mm-hmm. and he didn't, true. he didn't know about it because he was busy with the campaign. So he kind of so feels a lot guilty. Of guilt there, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a the, lot of emotion wrought up on. True both. to the personality of both of them is that mm-hmm. they they fucking projected out onto work. each other in in terms of this work that they're doing and the conflict that ultimately the work drives, but it has nothing to do with the with emotional working. stakes, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It's two friends both dealing with a lot of heavy grief and emotions. Uh, that yeah, just it's boils a, it's a into fight. this work conflict. Yeah, yeah. It's actually it's good. It's a good episode. Uh, it's a good thing to spin the episode around as a main boiling point because when we get to that moment, it's the climax, and then you know it explains the the wound on Toby's cheek, and and we get you know the real reason uh, behind all of the emotional turmoil. Yeah. So and Richard Schiff Toby... does great work and all that good stuff. So Toby has been feeding Senator Rafferty, the no-hoper, these ideas. And there's a ridiculous interaction between Josh and somebody else earlier in the episode where they, like, like fucking Hercule Poirot out the talking points compared to what the original Bartlett campaign's talking points were. And this this is just... I'm I'm sitting just screaming the whole time because a you're not the and this J- Allison Janney CJ actually says this later in the episode you're not the first fucking people to talk about a single payer healthcare right program what the fuck are you talking about this isn't a detective work this is just like a very generic mundane concept but they're like oh it's got to be somebody who was on the Bartlett campaign right. giant thunk face couldn't be Leo couldn't be me and then like they're just like oh my gosh it's fucking toby and so this this whole contrived thing comes through and also it the show obviously would never say this but it's just like oh so if it was part of your campaign what the fuck happened to it Mm -hmm. they i i think they i think they mentioned it actually got scrapped for something for some reason that i'm sure sounded very practical with the one line of dialogue they used to write yeah. on off. <laughs> to, to just kind of hand wave it <laughs> to kind of hand wave that oh yeah like we were talking about that but you know it was a campaign kabbalah laughter <laughs> yeah and fucking toby to and i think you mentioned something about it. it's like we actually finally get back into original toby yes where he's like he is the principled one he's yeah. the dour yeah like he policy driven but absolutely he, idealistic. He realizes person. he's the director of communications for the Democratic president, and it's his job to move the messaging of the party to the left. So him and Bartlett together launch the single care healthcare thing to get all the candidates talking about it because they want health care in the party. So Toby, yeah, turns back into past Toby for this episode. And it's refreshing. Yeah, and then it's obviously because nothing can go unchallenged because ultimately we want nothing to change. We have Josh freaking out at the idea by being, frankly, somewhat deeply conservative himself because uh-huh. his candidate has finally clawed his way into the discourse. Into and Josh feels, yeah. Josh feels fundamentally threatened by the concept of Toby's pet, what he would Spoiler. call a pet issue, yeah. spoiling his campaign. It's... 
there's a lot going on with this and i would actually of the few episodes i would suggest watching this one because Mm -hmm. the dynamic is actually pretty well written and you get some good opportunity to really let especially richard schiff's acting shine through Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in his character yeah yeah, it's, it's a fairly solid episode overall, and it tackles with the actual left versus center ideals, which is something this show usually just kind of glosses over as like, oh, those lefties, so dumb, so silly. And, yeah, if, if nothing else, it does what it, it takes that conflict and frames it in a very this show thing by putting it in the mouths of the mains. Mm-hmm. But by doing that, it's like, well, yeah. CJ's the fucking chief of staff, and she thinks this is, like, the plan. This is a good idea. And so, therefore, it it lends these left-leaning criticisms some credence, which is unusual. Like, normally, they take great pains to be like, well, you know, it's a debate, and we'll have to, you know, let these ideas win again in the marketplace of ideas. Right. Although, I will say, ultimately, Santos doesn't end up including any sort of single-payer health care, so it has no material outcome on the uh, race. My shocked face. Yeah, Pikachu. Surprise! Pikachu shocked face, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, let's take a quick break, and that mostly sums up, like, the main plot of this episode, and then we'll kind of, this episode has multiple subplots that we will explore when we come back. It, it, this will we will be taking a dive into multiple different characters kind of glancing off the central plot. It's wearing your clothes, head down to toes, a reaction to you. You say you know what he did, but you idiot kid, you don't have a clue. Sometimes they just get caught in the eye, you're pulling him through. Welcome back. As the chief of staff in the West Wing currently, CJ sort of, she hears about all these things that are happening, obviously because she's tapped into everything that is currently going on. So we get a lot of CJ through this episode, but not, she doesn't necessarily carry an idea through. She sort of just picks from occasional arcs. And then is just floating, which frankly is, I mean, that's the chief of staff job. Yeah, similar to Leo, essentially, when the episode was not focused on Leo. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, her job is just kind of be there in meetings and assign out some stuff. But then um, she ends up taking a meeting (laughs) about... Well, hang on. The first thing is she she starts the episode by by Margaret spilling coffee all over her. Right over her white (laughs) glass. Uh, And (laughs) classic... Very classic. Uh, she has a number of backup shirts on, on premises, of course, <laughs> but unfortunately all of the backup shirts are also stained. And Margaret is like, you're supposed to tell me so that I can go to the dry cleaner. And she's like, yeah, well, I forgot. And so and there's 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 <laughs> yeah. interaction where she's like encouraged to hug this binder <laughs> yeah. close to her chest to just cover up the stain. But as and she's then, working and explaining things, she lets it drop. Yeah. And Annabeth it's is in the background going like, no, snaps her with a rubber band, snaps a rubber band right into her chest so that she pulls the binder back up before the president sees her nasty ass coffee stain. 
Which, frankly, is, to be fair, in my brain, like, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, I don't care if you have a coffee yeah, stand. Yeah, you can just be just like, uh, someone spilled coffee bring me, on it. Whatever. Yeah, or like, bring me the information I need so I can make these very important government decisions. But again, very West Wing to be like, oh no, uh, yeah. you this, better be looking your best when the, you see the president. Yeah, exactly. The, you know, the pomp and the <laughs> circumstance of the office and all that bullshit. Well, and the, the gag goes for quite a while and then cj ends up borrowing one of margaret's jackets which is a incredible it's like a purple window pane um it's not cable knit but it's it's some sort sort of of like plaid fluffy fabric Yeah. yeah and it has ruffs on both like the lapels and around the fringes and and also a giant lapel flower pin yeah that's like <laughs> fucking four inches diameter, and uh, and CJ's like, can we move the flower pin? And Margaret's like, it was an, a gift from someone who's no longer with us. And CJ's like, yeah, but still. And Margaret's like, it's covering up a hole. <laughs> <laughs> she, she leans in very close and goes, it's covering a hole. And it's, CJ's like, okay, it's probably right. okay. <laughs> it's probably the funniest line it's that so Margaret good. has gotten in the entire show. It's it, really funny. It's really good, cause especially. <laughs> contrasted with the previous line of like it's from someone who's no longer with us (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it's really good and again you should watch the scene because it's very funny a lot of comedy in this episode overall yeah uh but then yeah cj ends up meeting taking a meeting with cliff callie who uh you may remember as the guy who dates donna and sees her diary and they have a whole ways and means fucking inquiry about it um, back in like season four, I think it was when they were after Leo for his uh, pills substance and abuse alcohol issues. thing. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So Cliff Cowley's back, and at this point, he is now a lobbyist, and she's meeting with him about the titular drought conditions because they're projecting possible droughts across like the West and the Midwest uh, and the Southwest, and <laughs> you know, projecting never going to happen. Yes. So. Strictly projecting, you know, it, it could <laughs> it could be happen. a problem. We, we but, might want to think about it down the line. Uh, and so they kind of talk shop a little bit about like, well, we could do this or whatever. Oh, but you're going to get pushed back from like New Mexico and California and whatever. And all these like farmers associations who currently get paid off by uh, the EPA, I think. Uh, or get something some sort like of that. Subsidy and he's he's like representing like a like a real estate. Right. Um, like cabal basically yeah, yeah. and, and so, he, he makes some awkward point about like oh but you're gonna want my big real estate cabal when you have to like do eminent domain to get water back or something like that i i like eventually like they're both kind of just fucking whistling it, past the it, graveyard it all here ends because... up just sort of being a tryout for deputy chief of staff ultimately because basically what happens is that later on josh comes by to CJ and they have a conversation about the drought thing. And basically Josh echoes the exact same talking points that Cliff just said. And this is what Mm -hmm. makes CJ go like, Oh, he would be a good replacement, Josh. And then she hires him. And the thing is based on Cliff Callie's, I, 
I had the biggest whiplash. And again, this part of why I really like this episode is like Cliff Kelly shows up and, you know, we're conditioned to be like, oh, that motherfucker oh, that was going after Leo. How how dare he? But also like he saved Leo sort of because it's very West Wing to yeah, be like, no, the honestly, this is the honorable. Yeah, the yeah, good Republican. The good Republican. And then, but then like in this meeting he's taking with CJ, he's just fucking, he's, like, an he's snotty. Yeah. He's a huge condescending prick. But frankly, they're both condescending right. pricking at each other right she's doing like, it just in as much in return and then yeah he's like she's like why'd you even fucking come here and he's like i just want the m&ms with the seal of the president upon them <laughs> my my niece goes nuts yeah. for those things and like it's great like the ultimate dick move of like just scheduling a meeting and wasting their time just to fuck off out of there to be like oh by the way give me a souvenir <laughs> it's great well, and he is in a way he is very much a male amy gardner because and and honestly like i can i can empathize because some of these issues and if look frankly i don't give a shit about real estate development or whatever but like whatever the thing is that you are either paid to or believe in passionately you don't you don't go to the white house and like kind of slickly maneuver shit you're there to just be like i'm right and you can either listen to me or i got to I gotta find some other recourse. Yeah, or I'll go back here. and we'll we'll spend money till I'm and, till I get my way. <laughs> and in a way, it's refreshing to have somebody smug, like somebody that fucking smug about it, not waste time in the in an episode of The West Wing. It doesn't take you know multiple pages of dialogue to get right. around to these things. He's yeah. just like, nope, boom. Yeah, or they, I'm out of here. They get down to brass tacks very quickly, and that's yeah, that's very refreshing. So yeah, she ends up hiring him. And he's like, at first, he's like, uh, no. And CJ's like, uh, nobody says no to us. We're like the mafia, except less violent. And then she takes a beat and she's like, well, probably more violent. <laughs> Which, again, clever to sort of acknowledge the, uh, you know, fundamental yeah. military hegemony yeah, that we all the, enjoy. One shout yeah. out to the imperialism uh, actually being acknowledged somewhat. So, yeah, this happens at the big DNC gala uh, where... So this is where a couple other of our subplots also con- converge. Coalesce, yeah. Where we've got an earlier subplot where Charlie comes up to Kate out of nowhere and is like, hey, this dude I work out with at the gym, he asked about you. He seems kind of into you. Do you want me to fix you up with him? And Kate kind of like asks some questions about the guy and is like, yeah, you know what? All right, fuck it. Why not? And, and it, you know, at, at first it just seems to be this cute, inconsequential thing. Uh, although in the previously on, they didn't show that Kate was divorced twice <laughs> for very significant reasons. <laughs> yeah. uh, where, yeah. and then Charlie, uh, as they talk more and more about it, Kate's like, "Wait a minute, who? So who ex- exactly is this guy?" Charlie's like, "I don't know. He's just some dude we work. I work out with at the gym. I don't even know, know his name. It's been two years. I can't. <laughs> a- I can't ask for yeah. his name at this it's, point. It's only been two years. Like dudes don't do that. Yeah. He's just like he's just hey or how's it going." <laughs> Um, so yeah, he doesn't know anything about the guy. And as they she inquires more and more about him, they realize he's Kate's ex-husband and, <laughs> and that, and Charlie has a great line of like, how's, is Kate Harper seen anyone? I misunderstood the initial inquiry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. Which, which is actually really funny because it's like in when, when he first comes up, the first question in my head is like, how the fuck does he know Charlie works with Kate? kate harper like Mm -hmm. that's an extremely specific question Mm -hmm. to ask Mm -hmm. and because you know charlie's kind of a doofus he's just like 
Oh, oh he must be into that's you. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that it's all very good and played for laughs and everything. So this ultimately ends up though with Kate, you know, um, Charlie was like, I'll set you two up at the DNC gala. Uh, so you'll go to that and you'll, you'll, you know, be each other's date to the gala. And so Kate ends up going anyway, despite after finding out the ex-husband thing. And there mm-hmm. she runs into Will, who is also in town for, you know, he's th- there for the Bob Russell campaign at the DNC gala. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm so exhausted talking to everyone. Can we just, like, stand next to each other and pretend not to talk? And she's like, <laughs> yes, I am totally down with that, that plan. That sounds incredible. Because <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate talking to all the people at this these fucking parties. And so they just stand next to each other. And they have this cute little, like, you know, they look back and forth, kind of flirt moment. And there is a thousand times more chemistry in this, like, little silent scene between the two of them than they tried to push between them and Will and Donna in the last episode. <laughs> yeah, because we remarked on it last episode where it's like a cutesy like, hey, are you asking me to dinner? And he's right. just like, no, right. we just eat together all yeah. the time. Yeah, and they're like crazy awkward. <laughs> and like, this is the exact opposite of that where like there is a nice little flirtatious energy between them. Uh, and so they're clearly setting this up and this spoilers, this they do end up uh, getting together at some point and actually become an item. I don't know if they end up lasting, but I know they date. I can't remember, but... I also want to, I mean, and I think we've, while we're male gazing here, mm-hmm. I think we've mentioned before, I've, I've never figured out it, and again, there's probably no deeper meaning to any of this, but the fact that Kate Harper, you know, is a, a good looking woman, and she she dresses extremely poorly I th- throughout the show. I want to say that is is a bit of characterization on the part of the costume designer where like, you know, she's a powerful, you know, workaholic type who doesn't really think about fashion as much. I think, I think that's a bit of a character beat because she's military and and she's more. Yeah. 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 Hard. I was going to say like the, the, the military aspect and, you know, kind of just being unfamiliar or uncomfortable in professional settings or whatever, but it's, it's actually, it's an interesting choice, I think, and, and I, I support it. But every time I see it, I'm just like, God, like, that. your jackets don't fucking fit. Your <laughs> pants are, like, the size of parachutes. Like, you know, we're beyond this now. But she shows up to the DNC gala in this, you know, little black dress, and she is looking fine. Yeah, she's in maximum snack mode. She's looking real good. So I get why Will wanted to hang out next to her, even if they <laughs> yes. don't talk. Reflect Some reflected glory onto the nebbish Jewish guy. Yeah, precisely <laughs> that. Like, mm, let me just hang out next to this one. And next to the hot people. Bo- boost my status a little bit. People will think I'm That's interesting. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, props to Will. Well, so, S- smart move. And that's, that's how they, like, kind of, like, they kind of close down the episode is like they're having this cute moment and then let's see we eventually get oh hang on leo and josh before we get off the party let's talk about the return of the michael bay fucking 360 cam oh my god because when when we first get our intro to the dnc we get multiple 360 shots of like here's cj at the party look at her dress we're gonna go 360 around her here's will at the party we're gonna go 360 around him talking to someone (sighs) here's josh at the party we're gonna go 360 around him and i'm just like fuck man i'm getting dizzy here (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, it was. And so there is a brief bit in the mom, um, in the early part of the episode in CJ's office where they're doing the same thing. And the spinny cam combined with the fact that it is obviously like an enclosed space mm-hmm. makes it awful like i'm sitting there like it's like oh, children of men whoa. car scene like, this, you know. yes yes exactly <laughs> it's too, it's too the, claustrophobic but in children of men that was the point in west wing it shouldn't be yeah it's just like a side effect no so and in the big in the big party room it's fine because it's sure. implied that there's a it's lot grand. going on there's also yes yes and there's a lot of contrast drawn between like what's out of focus in the background right. the lights right it's, and it's, you're you know, meant your to characters. get the atmosphere and the opulence and you get the idea that our characters are in like this vast ocean of people even though they only have like a few dozen extras to murmur around <laughs> to pad it out yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, that works, although it's just overdone a little bit too much in the party scene, at least at the beginning. Yeah. They tone it down more, and then it gets back to, like, more normal shots. But, yeah, just a shout-out to that. We don't shout-out cinematography much on the episode, but only when it gets really weird like that. It's It was... They changed the direction of the spin, too. Yeah. And Yeah, it isn't is. that, like, violating a cinematic rule or something like that? <sighs> oh, I don't know, Shouldn't, but like, it is. It's extra disorienting. Motion. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Well, and, yeah, I think to your continuity point, it's like, if you reverse the spin, you expect to see what you just saw panned past in the previous shot, and you never do. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. my brain is getting scrambled. Yeah, exactly. It's like people just show up out of nowhere into the shot. And then, so there's a running gag where all the candidates approach Debbie Federer trying to get, make time with the president. And Debbie has this running gag where she's like, where they all pretend to make nice. And they're like, Debbie, so long to see you. How are you? And she's like, a little bit of back pain, thinking about shiatsu. And then with the next one, she's like, thinking about yoga. And then Donna comes up and she's like, hey, Debbie, how are you? A little bit of back pain, thinking about heroin. <laughs> Donna's just like okay, and then Donna's cool, like, I guess. Uh, "All right," <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's like and it just comes down to like you're not getting in because they're all trying to get you know a favoritism moment with Bartlett, and Bartlett is playing it close to the vest on that. Although he does do the Rafferty thing with the healthcare. Yeah. So actually, let's take another brief break because this kind of segues into like the the crystallization at the end of the show with Leo and Josh, which I think is more important. So let's take another break here and we can discuss that before we wrap up. If you ever should decide to call, you can't match the numbers with the names. I always wonder when it's time to go home, when I'm with the date or if I'm on my own. so after the dnc gala shots basically we wind down the episode with an interaction between leo and josh where Leo is basically talking to these people and he's just like, look, you know, why are you upset about X issue or Y debate or whatever when we are still all just talking about the Democratic Party? Because frankly, you guys, he says, you are the party. And it is point it is pointless and frankly counterproductive 
to operate or pretend otherwise. You know, it's, it is not a question of being exploitative. It's not taking advantage of things. It's literally just what point the party, if not to exercise the power that accrues to it in you, frankly, in you, you are the movers and shakers, right? They, yeah, they're the ones who get to drive the policy debate. They're the ones who get to decide what sort of things are going to be pursued by the white house and they it ultimately falls into inaction, as all the rest of our episodes of podcasts have, <laughs> have demonstrated. But as you said, it sort of flies in the face of last week's argument, where Josh was just like, they just follow the rules. They don't make the rules. And it's like, no, actually, you do have the power to not only make the rules, but to force the conversation your way, to make your platform whatever you want it to be. And it's, yeah, it's ridiculous for them to just constantly deny doing it or or that no we have to run to the center because election or whatever but the ultimately the thing that makes santos win is how far he separates himself from the pack which is ultimately once what makes any candidate win in trying to separate themselves from a pack it's just the method in which they separate themselves yes that's actually a really good way to put it because you have a bunch of frankly you can expect i, I don't know at this point four of the five candidates to, to, to toe clones. the line and to be yeah. clones of each other, yes. Yeah, with like minor variations in policy, but effectively, you know, they are the Democratic establishment. Like in 2020, this was everyone that's not Bernie, basically, yeah. other than, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the couple, of, the couple, you know, like Marianne or Gravel or, or whatnot, who could be truly anti-establishment candidates. But yeah, everyone else was t- firmly towing the establishment yeah. line. I- if everybody else is going to be a John Jackson or a Jack Johnson, like... Right, you what have is, to stand out. Yeah, and that is, frankly, I don't want to use the word iconoclast, but, like, that is how you distinguish yourself. And the hope, the idea, is that you distinguish yourself in a way that perhaps improves people's material conditions or maybe, right. like, encourages them to vote for you because you are delivering them a tangible good. The show is so far away from, like, that simple <laughs> idea, though. Like, I would argue that almost the entire point of the show is to create all these layers of abstractions between that simple reality of, like, what even is politics at its most pure, basic level? And the West Wing answers with, a whole bunch of bullshit, my dude. Definitely not helping people. <laughs> you know, no, it's just talking about things in rooms. Like, right. that. that's what... And I think... That thank you for bringing me back around to this because frankly, the whole interaction with Leo of being saying like you are the party, just go do things. It's it is very much a dangerous line of inquiry for a show that has spent five seasons betraying <laughs> that principle, not not doing a damn thing. Be, because the writers could have made whatever they wanted out of the Democratic right. Party. It is a fantasy, right? But then, I guess, I don't know, is it is it a failure of imagination of like, oh, but if we have Bartlett, like, solve healthcare, then how will we write a healthcare story from then on? Like, is it that yeah. kind of thing? Is it a failure to imagine that, like, no, there's tons of material to be mined in, like, just implementing a national healthcare system? That's, like, that's a mini-arc in and of itself of, like, they passed the bill and now they have to actually do it. 
and like there's and there's pushback and criticism and whatnot. They they launched the Bartlett Medicare for All website and it crashes just like Obamacare yeah, yeah, yeah. did. Like <laughs> you know, like there's a lot of material that can be mined there. And so I have to ultimately at the end of the day just assume that they don't want to see that sort of thing because it's out of their own imaginations, like realm of possibility that that we could do that sort of thing, that the government could help people. Yeah, and I think ultimately that sort of perspective restricts them from going anywhere with these things. It's just, it is, it's so far removed from yeah. how they engage with politics. That We're just here to tweak knobs and move yeah, some levers and, a little and bit. Do the inside baseball, which, fine, yes, I would acknowledge that inside baseball exists and you do a fucking, like, a ton of it in sure in federal politics however you also have to do real things that affect real people well i don't know it these days it doesn't seem like you have to do real things because yeah who's done real things anymore not anymore but yeah at, at least this is you know 2005 in west wing time so in theory we were a little up for more doing real things uh a little not a lot i'm not trying to romanticize the past too much here there was still a ton of gridlock, but it felt like laws happened a lot more and we weren't literally just like renaming post offices. Yeah, and and refusing to do even the most basic public Aspects health measures or whatever. Yeah. 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 Just like the most basic aspect of like keeping our citizens alive and healthy. But yeah, I think that that pretty much wraps up this episode. Uh, we covered a lot. The format got a little crazy, but also the format of the episode is a little crazy. But as we both said, this is a good episode, and we yeah. would recommend uh, taking a peek in if you're intrigued it, to know exactly what we were talking about. It syncs up very well about 30 minutes in, so it's just like there. there's a little bit of confusion initially because they never, and I'll, I'm fucking spoilers, who cares, they never explicitly say what who happened Rafferty is. or what happened yeah. with Toby for like several minutes like it's it takes a long time to figure it out and so everybody treats him with like kid gloves for a while and you're just like well what the fuck's going on who cares like what are you talking about you find out david died but at first you think it's just cancer then you get the double drop reveal of like actually it was suicide uh and then and then you get like the josh fight and everything yeah it's a good it's a good setup and payoff narratively yeah so as always thanks for listening we appreciate it. We love your seeing your comments in our threads. Uh, we, if you found the show a different way, hello, welcome. And if you want, you could email the show at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Nice. Uh, so always, thanks again, thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Discuss the next episode of The West Wing here on The Worst Wing. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Stay safe. Stay safe. all the money you ask for. But don't ask me to come on along So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal, 